Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Co-host TJ Inman will be along shortly. We have a great show uh, for you tonight as we kick off the 100-day countdown until kickoff. So, Right now, there are 100 days until uh, IU takes on Ohio State at Memorial Stadium on August 31st. Uh, the game time and channel on TV are to be determined. Uh, but today, we'll reflect on, on some things we're looking forward to this season, a schedule breakdown, uh, some players we're most excited to watch. And then we'll have Matt Weaver from Peaks.com uh, will join us for a uh, brief recruiting update as well. So we're waiting on, on TJ Inman. Uh, to get here, but right now uh, we're just excited that football is right around the corner. We put out our top 10 things that we're excited about coming into the season. It's on the website today, uh, as well as our Ohio State early uh, first glimpse at Ohio State. Uh, So take a look at that. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, We're on Facebook as well, uh, facebook.com backslash uh, the Hoosier Huddle, and uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on on iTunes. Uh, leave a review if you can. Uh, you can say whatever you want, keep it clean. Uh, but uh, the more reviews we have, uh, you know, the better the reviews uh, show up on iTunes itself. Uh, we have also launched our chat on here, so if you feel like uh, chatting live, you have to tune into the show live. We do have a live chat with. Uh, with myself and other co-hosts. So we bring in TJ Inman. TJ, we are 100 days away from kickoff. How are you? I am doing great. That's a really good number to hear. Yeah, we're uh, glad to be back on the podcast, Uh, having another show here back, and uh, I hope some say better than ever. We'll see, I guess. Yeah, and we'll see. It's it's good to be back. We were kind of dead there for a while. You had basketball uh, with a new coaching change, kind of stole the thunder from from our football coverage a little bit. Uh, but now it's football's in in the forefront. It's going to be an exciting season. It's a season that yeah, you know, IU really hasn't had ever. Um, they're coming off a bowl uh, bowl appearance. They made a coaching change before the bowl game, as we all know, with Kevin Wilson. Uh, you know, resigning and Tom Allen taking over. Uh, and then they have a pretty good team coming back this year. So I use really never been in the position of coming off a bowl win, going through a coaching change and still having a pretty good team left. So uh, it's a pretty unique season. Uh, one that fans should be pretty fired up about. It's a, it's a great uh, home schedule. Uh, we'll go over that in, in a little bit after we talk a little bit of recruiting with Matt Weaver. Uh, but there are just so many things, so many storylines uh, going into this year that'll come to the forefront. So that's, you know, basically what I'm excited about this season. And then, you know, you kick it off with Ohio State at home on Thursday mm-hmm. night, the first real week of the college football. Now there are some games being played on Australia, some overseas and some other games on, on August 26th. 
But yeah. all eyes will be on IU Ohio State on that Thursday night, unless you know you're a fan of uh, of another team who's playing. Uh, but that is on paper the best game uh, there is on the slate during that Thursday night. Yes, absolutely. And and you know Tom Allen, I thought. You know, he he embraced the challenge that it is, and embraced the big opportunity that it, that it is. Um, in the uh, you know interview that uh, he had with you and, and a few other writers uh, that's up on our site, uh, I thought it was a very telling quote that that he did not mince words. He said, "It's the the biggest uh, the biggest home opener in Indiana football history," and um, you know it's really hard to argue with that. So uh, I amount of excitement and attention towards that game, Ohio State. Uh, you know, there's no way around it. They're they're loaded. Uh, they've got a ton of talent coming back. They do have a few question marks, but um, it, it's kind of nitpicky to to say that they're big question marks. Um, but I, I think that it's reasonable to say Indiana um, can go into that game feeling confident that they can at least. Uh, make a real game out of it and give themselves a chance if they play really, really well to to come out with the monumentous win to start the Tom Allen era. Um, so, you know, we'll certainly preview that matchup um, at length later on. But, yeah, tons of reasons to be excited. Uh, and, and a whole lot of unknowns, just unknown players that, that we're excited to see, uh, unknown offensive coaching staff, how the, how that's going to look on the field, uh, unknown how, you know, Tom Allen's uh, enthusiasm and passion for Indiana uh, and for the job that he now has, how that love everyone is going to kind of translate onto the field with him as the head coach. We saw how it translates with him as the defensive coordinator and the results were overwhelmingly positive. Uh, if if a similar thing can happen with the entire team, uh, Indiana's going to be in for a special season, and I, I'm very, very excited to watch it unfold. Yeah, definitely. And with regards to Tom Allen, what he said about about Ohio State in that interview is that I use now the centerpiece of, you know, what arguably the biggest day of the, the regular season or the biggest weekend of the regular season is that, Sure. Week one, when you have some big non-conference games, you know, I think Florida's playing Michigan, Alabama, Florida State, and Indiana, Ohio State is going to be that Thursday. It's going to be the talk. If Indiana knocks this team off, they're going to be the talk of the town for – in Bloomington forever, but they'll be the talk of college football for for the good portion of that weekend and to, up until the Saturday night games. Um, and and yeah. we're, we're still waiting on Matt Weaver here, but there are um, – Let's get into our our schedule uh, breakdown. So, uh, sure, they they open up with Ohio State first. We're going to go through um, what is uh, what our must wins must win game of the year is. Uh, then we'll go uh, with a swing game, and then maybe a sleeper game, and then a a, a game that you want to see as a fan. Uh, so, uh, TJ, what is the most important game on the schedule for you? Well, the the must win, uh, the must win game for me. There are a few of them, but the one that I I pinpoint as just absolutely cannot lose because of the probability that Indiana is going to be zero and one after the opener. I think you absolutely have to beat Florida International. Um, 
I, I don't think there's any any ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's a team that uh, they also have first-year coach, Butch Davis. Uh, they've got some excitement, some buzz surrounding their program. Um, but that, you know, that's you can't lose uh, coming off of the Ohio State game. If you win that one, you know, you, you can't afford to trivy kind of the ultimate letdown situation. Um, and, and if you lose it, you can't afford to drop another one, especially another one at home against a team that, you know, realistically you should probably beat by three touchdowns. Yeah, and I agree with that. And, you know, you've seen all these publications put Rutgers and maybe Florida International or Purdue as a must-win game um, or Illinois or something like that. To me, Virginia is the clear must-win game. Like you said, if they beat Ohio State, you cannot lose to Virginia. And if you lose to Ohio State, you have to beat Virginia. Starting the season 0-2 would be awful. Uh, for the program. It's yeah. not an impossible hole to climb out of, uh, but you're looking at, you know, FIU and Georgia Southern coming in. Uh, those will be small crowds. And then, you know, after those games, you have to travel to Penn State, you get Michigan at home, and you have to go to Michigan State and Maryland. So the next three, uh, three out of the four games are on the road uh, against pretty good opponents. Uh, you know, the jury will be out on Michigan State and Maryland. But, you know, this schedule is front-loaded and loaded in the middle. Uh, the back of the – the last three games of the schedule uh, kind of give IU a break with Illinois, Rutgers, and Purdue. But, man, that Virginia yep. game, it, it's everything. If you could get out of those first two games at one and one although if you beat Ohio State, you cannot lose to Virginia. Uh, you'll lose all the momentum. Fans – We'll have the here we go again. You know, we'll beat Ohio State and lose to a team like Virginia. So uh, that's that's my uh, must-win game as well. How about a swing game, TJ? Uh, I mean, there are multiple games where Indiana is going to be, you know, somewhere in the range of like three-point favorites to three-point dogs. Um, you know, looking at the schedule, I saw five or six games where that might be the case. Uh, or at the very most within like a five or six point spread, um, which I, I think that's uh, that's kind of normal um, for a team that that's where Indiana's at. Um, it makes for some exciting, you know, exciting Saturdays, but also a whole lot of nerve wracking, and it makes it tough to choose a swing game. Uh, but I'm going to go with that Maryland as uh, my swing game. It, it's uh, a team that. Indiana's had some really interesting games with uh, recently since Maryland joined the Big Ten. And uh, I do think that the two teams are fairly similar in terms of overall talent level right now. Um, you know, And Maryland, I think, is in a similar spot with Indiana that both schools kind of on the rise, uh, both programs kind of on the rise and looking to – maybe surpass Michigan State, who looks a little bit wounded right now. Um, some would say a lot wounded with some of the off-the-field issues they've had recently. Uh, maybe surpass them to be that fourth program in the Big Ten East and, and be kind of that team on the next tier, the top team on the next tier uh, in the division. And, you know, I know that, oh, being in the middle of the division, that's, you know, I, I know that some – We'll scoff at that, but when you look at the competition you're competing against, it's absolutely nothing to scoff at. And if Indiana can 
knock off Maryland again, this time at their place, uh, number one, I think it would, uh, I think that that'd be one that you'd say gets them to a bowl game uh, eventually uh, if they can win that one, looking at the other games that I think they, they will win uh, if it holds true to form. The number two, you know, it'd be another win over Maryland and, and sort of further solidify yourself ahead of them in the pecking order. Yep. And uh, I'll, I'll finish up our, our swing games and then we'll have Matt Weaver on here in a second. Um, I'm going to go with Michigan state uh, as the swing game. Yeah. It, it comes after a, a home home contest at, at, uh, at Michigan, Michigan state's kind of down in the dumps. As you said, they've had a lot of trouble in the off season. They don't really know who their quarterback. Well, they Brian Lewarki is going to be their quarterback, uh, but yeah. he's kind of, he's a very unknown uh, entity, and they they've lost a lot. All that magic that Mark D'Antonio had uh, the last couple years, uh, in 2014, 2015, uh, and the, the Rose Bowl team and uh, the college football playoff team, that looks to be all gone. Uh, those <laughs> guys are not yeah. there. They're not recruiting up to snuff. Uh, to replace those guys. Michigan's kind of come in and stolen some of those uh, recruits. If they could go up to East Lansing and beat Michigan State and retain the spittoon, uh, this has a chance to be a, a seven, eight, nine win team. Uh, and you, you'll halt a losing streak. You know, you're probably going to halt a losing streak. Your previous games are Penn State, uh, Michigan, and it, it could be your fourth, maybe fifth win of the year. Uh, if you beat Michigan State, that swings the whole year. It's a, you're probably talking about a four and two start, uh, or a three, uh, four and three start, in, in opposed to a, a three and four start going into you know a road game against Maryland and then Wisconsin at home. But let's bring in Matt Weaver from Peaks.com for a little bit of a, a recruiting update. Matt, how are you? Pretty good. Apologize for being a few minutes late, guys. Sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, so Matt, it, it's been a while since we've talked a while since a recruiting update what's new on the iu football recruiting front wow well i mean it's this staff is incredibly aggressive i'm sure i know you guys pay attention to the offers i know tj does uh they've been really 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 aggressive on the recruiting trail i i think they might have offered more players uh in the big 10 than any other team um not saying that's a bad thing it's just they're really aggressive and they're really hitting up uh, you know, the power states for recruiting Florida, Georgia, Texas. Um, then they're going on the East Coast a little bit, obviously in the Midwest. But right now they're down south because this is where you start to – this is the time when you you start to offer those guys because you're just now getting to see them for the first time. Um, you know, they uh, a couple quarterbacks, uh, new quarterbacks have emerged. I guess that's kind of new. I did a story on uh, Tyler. I think he actually pronounced his name. It's S-H-O-U-G-H, but I think it's pronounced Shock. Um and he's a he's a big quarterback out of Arizona. Got offers from Michigan, Alabama, Florida State, Georgia, South Carolina. Um, but I think Indiana's got a legit shot here. He has a great relationship with the coaches. He had a great visit this past weekend. Um, what's interesting is I was told um, they're going to take two quarterbacks in this class. Uh, the other top huh. guy they like is Jace Reuter out of Kansas. Um, he was committed to Tulsa. He decommitted because he got offers from Florida State and I think Georgia, and I want to say North Carolina. Uh, so he's opened things back up. Um, at some other positions, I'm just trying to get my handle on, like, receiver. I really couldn't tell you who their top three or four guys are. They have offered so many receivers that it's my head's yeah. kind of spinning at that position. 
uh, offensive line. It's I knew who the other top guys were about three or four weeks ago. Uh, now I'm not as sure because a couple guys have committed. They've offered a bunch of new guys. Um, so I mean, it's really what's new is just a ton of offers. I mean, it's you know I, I don't know if we I can't remember the last time we talked. I don't know if they've got any new commits. I'm probably gotten one or two since then. Um, I think commits will pick up next here this next month when when camps start and guys get on campus. Um, but right now it's kind of the evaluation and offer stage, and the next month is when it'll probably heat up as far as you'll kind of get a sense of who's who's their top guys, who they can get, and maybe who falls by the wayside. TJ so, Ivey, two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks is, uh, I mean that's that's pretty uncommon, um, and Indiana does have coming in likely red shirt. Uh, and I know I, I'm incredibly high on what he can bring, uh, and I, I think the coaches are as well. Uh, but obviously there there is going to be, you know, a quarterback change after this season, and it looks like Peyton Ramsey probably the inside track on the job, and he'll have a, you know, a few years left of eligibility. Um, so, I, you know, the writing on the kind of seems to be on the wall for someone like Austin King, and I won't make you comments on that, but uh, taking two quarterbacks, is that going to be maybe a little bit difficult? You're running the risk of, of missing out on one because neither of them feel comfortable they'd be the guy? Well, I can only speak for for, uh, for Tyler Shock, the kid from Arizona that I talked to this past weekend. He said it's not a problem for him. Now, Michigan is trying to get him to commit, too. And they got a commitment. I think he's – it's Joe Milton. I want to say he's – I know he's at least a four-star. He might be a five-star. Yeah. From out of Florida. Yeah. He's a he's – a, I mean, he's a big-time national quarterback. And he said that, you know, he, he has no problem with that. And, of course, I know that's a lot of that's recruit speak. Um, but, you know, I, if he was if he was really shying away from it, I don't know if he'd have Michigan, Indiana, two of his top schools when they're taken too. I agree with you, TJ. I think – to me, it says one of two things. I know, you know, when the old staff was here, I remember talking to Seth Luttrell when he was the when he was offensive coordinator. He wanted five quarterbacks. He wanted five scholarship quarterbacks. Indiana, I don't think has ever had five scholarship quarterbacks under Wilson. And I, I don't think maybe early on, but it's usually only been four. Um, but what it tells me is one of two things: they, they want, they want, they like that extra, maybe that fifth guy. Um, but it also tells me that there's a guy, you know, there there's they're recruiting over somebody, and I think it's I think it's Austin King. I mean, they're bringing in Tronti. Obviously, you lose Lego. Ramsey looked good in the spring game. I thought Austin King did not look very good. No. Um, that doesn't no. mean one game does not mean he's not the guy. I'm just saying, but he barely got that many snaps. I mean, he between him and Ramsey, they were on the same team, and Ramsey probably got 75% of the snaps, if not more. Um, and, you know, obviously, Lego got a ton on his side, on his team. So it kind of tells me that the writing is on the wall for, for Austin King. I have, I'm not saying that's the case, but that's my gut feeling. Um, and when you yeah. bring in two guys, uh, you know, it, it, that it, somebody somebody is kind of getting kind of pushed to the to the to the, uh, to the wayside, if you want to, so to speak. So I, I kind of agree with your line of thinking, TJ. I think I think that's uh, it's the, the writing is on the wall for somebody, and it looks like it's Austin King. Then, with regard, TJ Ivy, uh, tight end out of Illinois, posted his top four uh, earlier last week. What what are the staff feeling on him? I think Indiana's in great shape. I've, I've messaged with Jeremy Werner, the Illinois guy, and Jeremy, you know, he was the one who talked to him. We, we were all messaging. He was messaging with me and the West Virginia guy in Iowa, um, and he, he was the one who actually talked to TJ and put the, you know, and basically did a story for all four of us. He thinks it's an Indiana-Illinois uh, battle, and I agree. 
I think it's going to come down to, you know, the funny thing, the interesting thing is, is, you know, Illinois really did not recruit him that hard early on. There was another, another big time tight end from Illinois. I think he was from downstate, maybe around Springfield or somewhere. And I think he went to Luke Ford, I think his name was, and I think he went to Arkansas or some SEC school and they've kind of, they've kind of doubled back. They've really, really struck out big time on in-state guys. Um, of the top ten rated guys in that state, I think Illinois only got like one of them. Um, they've really kind of they've kind of swung and missed on a bunch of guys, and so what they're doing is they're kind of uh, kind of going back and and re-recruiting guys that maybe they kind of passed over. <clears throat> Excuse me, and, and T.J. Ivy was kind of one of them. Gavin McCabe, who's his teammate at Maris and is also an IU target, is another guy. Um, but I really think it's an Indiana Illinois battle. I don't I don't know who's leading. I, I'd say probably 50-50. Um, Indiana might have a slight edge because they've been on them longer. Um, you know, you, you'd think so, but he, it is an in-state school. There is that pull. And, you know, Lovey Smith, you know, with that NFL background, you know, he's got a way with, with talking to guys. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think you know, Indiana's in great shape, but I really think it's down to those two, to those two schools. Matt, I'm, I'm curious how the um, kind of – I mean, we know how Tom Allen is viewed by – uh, the football community within this state, he's highly respected, well-regarded, um, and we know it's a big positive for Indiana uh, University as far as uh, you know their football program goes, having him at the helm. Uh, I'm curious how kind of this, this new offensive staff, which you know, we've covered and, and you've, you've written about it as well, uh, you know, just an entire overhaul of it, how the new offensive staff is being viewed by uh, those around the state and around the Midwest, uh, you know, what what are you hearing in terms of that perception uh, for the offensive staff, and, and do you think it'll lead to, you know, maybe even an uptick in the recruiting we saw under Kevin Wilson? Um, you mentioned the, the different philosophy as far as offering, but uh, are you hearing anything as far as perception goes? Well, I had not a lot early on, and it's, and it's still kind of early because, you know, I've Obviously, yeah. Mike DeBoer's got connections in state because he's from Indiana, and even when he was, I think, at other schools, I mean, I'm sure he was—he probably at some time recruited Indiana. Um, and Mike, I think Mike Hart, when he was in the MAC at Western Michigan, and I think he was also at Eastern Michigan, um, I think he recruited Indiana. Um, you know, I don't want to say heavily, but I know he got some a couple running backs. I think he got a kid from Fort Wayne or somewhere um, when he was up there. Um, now the new guys obviously are Grant Hurd and then Sheridan and then uh, Coach Hiller, the offensive line coach. Um, I haven't really heard a lot. I mean, it, you know, to me, I, I haven't. To me, when you don't hear anything when they first come in, that's probably a good thing because if they, people uh-huh. are upset or yeah, that's probably what you would hear. Um, you know, I'm just going by. Uh, you know, I know they've been like I said, they've been out recruiting. I've seen a lot of tweets. I mean, there's a tweet today from a, a coach in Texas, picture of him and Sheridan, uh, him and Nick Sheridan and, and Grant Hurd talking about how Indiana's always welcome. They're doing a great job. Now that's Texas, but you know, I think these guys they know they they know what they're doing. They they recruited. Um, all over the country. I don't think the in-state, you know, I think there's probably, they have to build relationships. Obviously, Allen has them, DeBoer has them to an extent, Hart has them, but these other guys are going to have to build them on the offensive side. The defensive coaches all have those already, but the offensive coaches are going to have to uh, have to build those the, the new ones. Uh, but I don't I don't think it'll be a problem. I mean, I I think they've shown they they'll recruit in-state kids, they want in-state kids. Um they're going to be they're not going to take all of them. I mean, there's guys that they haven't offered that, you know, People are kind of, you know, Johnny Adams and Ben Davis. I get questions, why isn't he? But, well, I just don't think he's a high guy for him. He wasn't a high guy for Dylan McCullough either. So it really hasn't changed with the new staff. You know, there, there's other guys out there like that. They didn't offer Deshaun Bissell, the kid from Fort Wayne, 
Um, you know, I just think they they're, 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 they have a certain kind of, you know, like that they want in their players, especially receiver. I think Grant Hurd is really kind of picky about who he goes after. Um, you know, like I mentioned, receiver and all the offers, he is an aggressive guy. You can tell he's an SEC player, former player, coach, because he is really aggressive with his recruiting, and he does not back them. Look at his offer list. <clears throat> he is offering guys that four- and five-star players left and right now. We'll see if they get them. It's probably going to be a stretch to get some of these guys, but, you know, you can't you can't, you can't can't uh, hit it out of the ballpark if you don't step up to the plate and take a swing, and he's definitely doing that. So, you know, I think as far as the recruiting in state, I, I think it'll be fine. I think you'll see an uptick in recruiting in state. Not that it was bad under Kevin Wilson, but I think it'll be even a little bit better with Allen and this staff. Um, but, you know, as far as the new guys, it kind of wait and see to see how those relationships build. But I, I don't – I think it'll be fine. All right. Thanks, Matt. Uh, always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for coming on. Okay, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, Matt. All right. That was Matt Weaver from Peaks.com uh, talking a little bit re- about recruiting. Uh there are a lot of offers, and, and he's right. Our heads are spinning a, a little bit. It seems, you know, every hour, half hour, uh, there's a new offer out. So uh, keep keep Twitter open, keep your eyes peeled, and, and camps are right around the corner in June, and maybe we'll see IU land a, a couple players or two. Uh, yeah, back I, to, I'll, just a, a quick note. a quick note on kind of the aggressiveness he talked about. I I really like it. Um, I like that Indiana is going after, you know, four- and five-star guys. I know that some people out there might be, you know, kind of laughing at that, like, oh, why why would they do that? Why would they be wasting their time? Uh, you know, if you do not swing for the fences and attempt to get those players, if you feel that there's a, you know, a somewhat realistic chance that you can get them based on your relationship – and what you believe your recruiting ability is, you know, then what are you doing? Like, why, why are you wasting everybody's time by, by being in, in the Big Ten? Um, I, I, I don't see why Indiana should not strive to get those kind of players. And I, I, a lot of times Kevin Wilson's staff, um, it was just their, their way of doing things, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, uh, but they, they did not offer a lot of those players because they required – uh, you know, before they would take a kid, uh, they needed him to visit. And I understand that message as well. I just, and, and I won't compare the two, but I like the fact that Indiana's coaching staff right now uh, feels good about what they're selling and they feel good about their ability to land players. So they're being aggressive by trying to get some really good ones. Yeah. And I agree. You got to swing for the fences at some point and it's not, uh, a far-fetched philosophy. We'll see how it works out uh, when signing day right. comes, uh, and we'll see if IU can land some of these big fish. But back to back yep. to scheduling uh, schedules. So we've done our swing games. Uh, you know, what's another game that you, as a fan, want to see? Well, I and it's going to be kind of a weird selection, but. Me being the, the football nerd that I am, I, I love – one of the things I love about college football is the different systems and the different ways to attack football program. There are so many different ways to go about it. And Georgia Southern has a, a way that uh, is unique. I mean, they get, they get, you know, good 
athletes from the South to their program, uh, not always, you know, on the same size level. Uh, a lot of times that's what you'll see them get as undersized players. Uh, and they, they play an option offense that, for me, is a lot of fun to watch. I know some people uh, don't enjoy watching that kind of football, and that's fine. But I, I enjoy watching it. Now, I don't particularly enjoy when Indiana plays against it, usually. Uh, but I'm really interested to see Indiana's uh, new defensive identity, which Tom Allen has brought to Indiana, and the new standards that the defense has, uh, and the, the, the just, I mean, the better personnel that Indiana's defense has than what we're used to. I'm very interested to see this IU defense, the Southern, and and see what the Hoosiers can do against the option offense. The last time we saw it happen was an absolute nightmare of a game against Davy, a game that never should have been scheduled. And it's arguable Georgia Southern shouldn't be scheduled either. But I'm just I'm interested to see what this IU defense and this version of Indiana football does against a good option attack. Uh, I think it's going to be a really fun game uh, late September. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I'm going to pick another game, TJ. I'd like, you know, if I was a fan, I'd go uh, see – IU play Illinois. It's a game that hasn't been played since 2013. Uh, we haven't gone to Illinois since 2012. Uh, and, and it's a rivalry. I mean, the rivalry is heated in basketball. It's kind of cooled off the last few years since Illinois has been down in the dumps. Uh, but this is, you know, two teams that have had bad blood in the past. Um, you know, now that Kevin Wilson's gone, it kind of takes some of that bad blood out of there. But it's a close game. It's a historic venue. Uh, if you haven't been to Illinois, it's a really cool stadium. Uh, you, you get to see the place where Dick Buck has played in college, Red Grange, uh, some all, all-time all great college football players uh, have played there as well. So, I, you know, it, it's an easy road trip from Indianapolis. It's under two hours. Um, and, and I would – if I was an IU – if I'm an IU football fan traveling to games, that's um, – that's one of the games I'm traveling to. Uh, there are a lot of easy road trips this year uh, with Michigan State, yeah. Illinois, and Purdue, too. So I expect to see a lot of uh, Hoosier fans on the road at road games this year, especially if they uh, get off to a hot start and start winning some games as well. Um, so that's our schedule breakdown, TJ. Let's get into some players we are, uh, we're excited about watching on the offensive side of the ball outside of Camion Patrick. Because that's who I would think everybody, uh, including us, are most excited to watch is a healthy Camion Patrick uh, at running back. So outside of Camion Patrick, who are you looking to watch? Boy, there there were quite a few options to choose from. But uh, in our attempt to be you know a bit more concise and fan friendly with our shows and not just ramble on uh, like two you know crazed football nerds. Uh, we are forcing ourselves to choose uh, just one player. And for me, I'm going to go Koi Kronk. Um, I, I think he has the potential and the physical tools to be that next great IU offensive lineman that's taken fairly early in the NFL draft. Um, I, he's got the build you want, cavity and the nastiness you want. And I, I can see Koi Kronk uh, really coming on throughout the season. And I'm excited to watch him his sophomore year and see if he 
has the potential to be as good as I think he does. Yeah, and that's a, a football nerd's pick, uh, offensive line. Uh, but that is that's true. With so much turnover on the offensive line, there's that's yeah. one of the bright spots to watch. Uh, to me, it's Ian Thomas uh, at tight end. He had a terrific spring, and with Mike DeBoer's offense, you know, we we saw the tight end in the spring game be more involved. It's going to be more involved in the fall as well. And he's a guy who is brought in to be a playmaker. Uh, a big target for Richard Lego to look for uh, that to me, you know, with, even with all these other receivers with, with Simi coming back, we, we know what to expect of him. Uh, I'm most yep. excited to see what Ian Thomas could do on the offensive side of the ball at tight end and how he can imp- help improve uh, Richard Lego's, you know, consistency, accuracy, and, and, you know, just, the offense overall becoming a little bit more dynamic in terms of getting the ball to different players uh, on the deep, on the yeah. flip side, uh, TJ, who's your player to watch on the defense side of the ball? Well, uh, I had to choose between a number of guys in the secondary, uh, including uh, a couple of freshmen that are coming in that I'm very excited to see, but uh, I, I went with a guy that I really fell in love with as a player uh, the first time that I even heard his name uh, and did some research on him when he committed, and I wrote up his recruiting profile, and I'm going with the Indiana Husky Marcelino Ball. Uh, I I think he's a tremendously fun player to watch because of how much field he covers, which is partially his position. Uh, but I, I really love the way Marcelino Ball plays, and I think with one more year in the system, Another off season under his belt, really his first off season under his belt. He's going to be able to uh, recognize coverage even a little bit better, and just get that much better as a player. Uh, and I, I think he's a future NFL player. I really do. Yeah, and the fact that he was only 17 last year, uh, it, yep. it's amazing. And he was a guy that I considered as well. And there are so many guys. T. Gray Scales is coming back for a senior year after an All-American effort last year, but that's an easy pick. Uh, Richard Fant, after all-conference year, is an easy pick as well. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Jonathan Crawford at safety. He's going to be a junior. Yeah. He's one of those guys who, if he has a big year, could make the jump to the NFL. He has a nose for the ball, yep. uh, just like Marcus Oliver. He had, uh, you know, three takeaways against Purdue to end the year last year. Came up with a big fumble in the in the uh, Foster Farms Bowl. I, he's slated for, you know, that breakout season. And it says something about Indiana secondary when a, a prospect like Juwan Burgess, a uh, four-star kid, a terrific athlete, yeah. is going to have kind of a little bit of trouble finding the field uh, with Crawford, Tony Fields, Chase Dutra, and some other guys coming in. Uh, usually in the past, um, a guy like Burgess would just, you know, immediately be penciled into one of the starting roles. Now he'll have a shot and a real shot to play, but it's not a, you know, a stone cold lock like it was in the past. And and a lot of that is to Jonathan Crawford, who was tremendous his freshman year, tremendous last year. And I think he makes that next step kind of like Tigre did last year uh, and becomes that, real playmaker in the defensive backfield that can intercept balls and come down and help uh, in the run game and cause fumbles as well. And kind of make up for that loss of Marcus Oliver uh, at linebacker, who was Mr. Force fumble for Indiana the last couple of years. 
Yeah, I think those are, uh, I think, uh, just perusing the defensive roster just gets you excited because there are so many options for guys that you look forward to watching. Uh, It's going to be – I can't remember being this excited about an Indiana defense because I'm almost sure that on paper there has not been a better one coming back uh, since at least the Bill Mallory years. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, and, and, you know, the defensive line has some work to do, uh, but there's some intriguing prospects. You, you have Jerome Johnson coming um, coming in as a redshirt freshman. Uh, Juan Harris is, is, is a hoss in the middle that could replace Ralph Green. He's a true freshman who is in for the spring. Uh, just there are so many options, and, and a lot of these recruits that we've talked about over the last couple of years are finally going to see the field and, and could make this defense and take it to the next level and be a top 25 defense if, you know, things bounce the right way, if, you know, they stay healthy, and if they could get uh, a little bit more quickness on that defensive line. But, TJ, that does it for today's podcast. 100 days until kickoff. And, you know, keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com. We'll have all the players profiled. Uh, tomorrow is Jerome Johnson and Nathaniel Schneider. And, you know, we'll go from there. Uh, and we'll see – or, sorry, it's Alan Stallings and Nathaniel Schneider. Um, 98 is Jerome Johnson. Uh, so, forgive me. Uh, it, it happens. I had that false start on the 100 days uh, yesterday. So, uh, keep <laughs> checking back. We had our preview of Ohio State as well. We'll preview Virginia next week uh, real quickly. Mm-hmm. So, Uh, Keep coming back to the sites, follow us on Twitter, send any questions, comments, concerns uh, to our Twitter account, Uh, follow us on Facebook, all that stuff. So thank you for for joining us on this uh, special 100-day kickoff podcast, and have a great rest of your evening. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.